0: Hello everyone and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low budget show. It's the show so low. It has no budget, kind of like the first season of the show we're going to be talking about today. We'll get into that in a bit here. You know, this is an episode long time coming. I am a very firm believer in the success of this sitcom leading into a lot of modern stuff. We'll get into that in a minute. I do want to talk about it, but we do have some news we have to cover like every other week. Hold on to your butts. We're getting there very soon. A lot of preamble, isn't it? Look, I'm not. I'm not special for talking about this show. Everybody in the world, everyone and their mothers talks about this show, unless you're under thirty, maybe. Again, it's one of those. We'll get it. We'll get into it after all of the news we have to cover, and then yeah, we'll just have fun with it. We got a couple bit of news we have to cover. So this is something. I've been thinking about doing a fuller video on. I don't know if I'm going to do a review of the movie because I don't care that much. So we have a new and I guess final trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. You know me, I'm a comic book fan, always have been. I haven't really been reviewing the Marvel movies as of late. I think the last one I, I kind of talked about was Love and Thunder, just barely. I don't want to talk about these anymore. Everyone who does what I do talks about these things, and I just have nothing to add to the conversation, especially when I'm not, like, ecstatic about anything, you know? I'm just not like, yay, cool, so I don't want to talk about it, but the trailer, the final trailer came out, gave us a little bit more information, and I gotta be honest, I, I, I need to say this more than I even want to talk about the trailer, nothing I have seen for this movie looks interesting or exciting. Uh, this isn't me criticizing Marvel for doing whatever the hell they're doing. It's just like the, 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 the appeal of the first two Ant-Man movies, in my opinion, are like, okay, we're actually telling a small stakes Ant-Man story. That's fun. And then Peyton Reed was like, I actually want to make a big budgeted movie. No more of this like the, the filler shit. Let's make a big one. And I'm like, that's a great image to go into. You're desperately trying to make this. Okay, Sure. I don't like the way the costuming looks. I don't like the way the backgrounds and effects look. It just all looks cheap and annoying. And Jeff loves, Jeff Loveness has kind of been coming out lately and talking about the, like, what the movie's going to be, comparing it to the original Dune. And I'm like, that's great. That's That's what people love to hear. That's what people love to hear that this movie's going to be. And I already have problems with his writing, so that's its own thing. But it just feels too much. It's like, what are we even doing here? It feels much like witness the birth of a new dynasty. Like, yeah, we're not making a real movie. I really hope Paul Rudd dies at the end solely because that is what a lot of people know Scott Lang for. Whole generation are like, yeah, he was the second Ant-Man. He died in Avengers Disassembled. And then we just kind of forgot about him for a minute. And then the movies were like, but no, he's important. And he's back. Cool, right? Who cares? Modok, I think, looks dumb, and I know he's supposed to, but it's the wrong type of dumb. His head doesn't look too squished; it looks too visual effecty, where we just like stretched out Corey Stahl's face, and I'm like, this is exactly what the character should be, but somehow I think it looks worse than it could have been. I don't know. Maybe a full robot would have been good. Can't be excited. I I think before the release of the movie, I'm going to do a geek wave solely talking about janet van dyne as a character because i love janet i don't think the movies have done anything good of that character and i have no excitement for this movie whatsoever so a cool trailer i guess kang looked fine kang being my favorite avengers villain ever you'd think i'd be more excited to see him but just having this movie be his existence i'm leading to something bigger i don't give a shit i'd rather we just see the big thing why do we always have to like build up our characters i don't know we get it just show them i don't know whatever but we'll move away from that before I get anybody else angry at me. Couple of renewals we have to talk about for some big parts of my childhood, I guess. The first one long awaited? Is it would it be long awaited? Probably not to anybody, but guess what? Zoe 101's coming back. After the success of iCarly on Paramount, they're like, what about that toxic girl? No pun intended, that might have like ruined her sister's life? You know, Jamie Lynn, what if we sided with her and And did Zoe 102. And I'd be like, no thank you. So it's exactly what you'd expect. All of the actors who didn't go on to be successes. And look, I love this because it's exactly the thing that Jeanette McCurdy was talking about in her book. When Miranda was like, it'll be good. It'll give us exposure. We could get new jobs. And Jeanette's like, no, if we were going to get new jobs, we would have got them after the original iCarly. So the characters that are coming back are Zoe. it's Chase... It's Mike, Michael, the ma- the good Massey brother, Logan, her brother Dustin, and then Quinn and Mark. No one else. Victoria Justice not doing it. Smart girl, love her for that. Just uh, yeah, cool. I I can't think of anything I'm less excited about in terms of just cool. I remember how big of a freaking deal Zoe 101 was to my like group of people I knew like my sister and I just like watched the show. And when like Chase went overseas to find Zoe, I'm like, wow, this is movies. This is what it's all about, isn't it? And then Austin Butler was on it. And I'm like, he's not coming back. You're not getting him back. (laughs) No, 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 my friend. No, no, no. So bizarre. So bizarre. But Zoe 102, Awesome. We'll talk about it. I will definitely talk about the show when it comes out. I could do an entire episode on Zoe One Hundred One. Will I? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's the one show from that generation that isn't as like horny, but is also bad for some reason. It feels so stupid. But that's not the only show returning. Dan Povenmire, who has been pu- pumping out good content forever. I guess his people have signed a new deal with Disney Plus and 40 new episodes of Phineas and Ferb are going to be coming to Disney Plus. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. He has literally been working in that universe since that show was canceled with Mil- Milo Murphy's Law. And what was the- there? he's doing a new one, with like a superhero kid. So yeah, that makes sense. Always just one step away from those characters returning, so this makes complete sense to me, I have nothing bad to say about this, I'm like, yeah, I, I completely get that, he's worked hard showing you he is committed to this universe, putting characters in it, no issues with anything in that regard going on, I happen to really like Milo's Murphy's Law, I think it's kind of fun, it's a really interesting show, I haven't seen the the brand new one that he's been doing recently, but I think that's kind of cool, good for him you know like you've worked hard you put in the time it's good to see some reward coming out from this franchise that's very exciting i will be watching these will we talk about them who's to say am i more excited for this or zoe 102 i don't know i would love to see a train wreck of zoe 102 please for the love of god there okay no i might save this for another video but chase better be a fucking incel so hard and logan better idolize elon musk because they're idiot men that's awesome, but we also have a little bit more news to talk about. Not nothing too crazy. So, Amanda Seyfried won her Golden Globe the other day, and they're like, "Well, she's off doing something over here. You're making a musical, and we're all just collectively like, Mamma Mia 3,' right? She's doing it. They're doing it right now. Mamma Mia 3. No, it's almost better. I say better loosely. Oh, this is so cool. So. It's not confirmed. There's no like real reports talking about it. Just kind of like, hey, speculation this is kind of being workshopped and worked around at the moment. Amanda Seyfried is teaming up with one of my favorite actors of our generation who is just begging for a new big appearance in movies after a successful TV show, Evan Rachel Wood. Those two are working together on a new reboot of Thelma and Louise. That's a musical. And you said everything to make Taryn happy. Let me tell you, I love musicals. I love Thelma and Louise. I love Evan, Rachel Wood, and I love Amanda Seyfried. You want to put them all in one little box? Ship that to cinemas? Daddy's there opening night. Daddy is there like he's going to be in line for Barbie. He'll camp out for weeks to see that. I can't think it's something I want to see more. If this was the only piece of content coming out in the next couple of years, I would be excited. I would be so happy because I'm like, that is cool. What a fun area, what a fun idea we're playing with, what a fun idea we're exploring. Let me be a part of it, let me be something. Let me be like a radio DJ that's playing in the car, that's like, let's go ladies, we support you. Hell yeah, hell yes, a musical, Felma and Louise, what a cool idea, with two awesome sexy ladies. What more do you want? Oh, this gets me excited, like that is such a cool thing. I hope it pans out and actually exists, because this is what I want to see for the rest of my life. Cool chicks in a car, playing some music and singing along. What more do you want, folks? I need nothing else in life. Maybe Zoe 105 when we get Victoria Justice back because everyone else is dead. Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy. All right, one more piece of news to talk about. We're going to be jumping into the world of The Mandalorian because we have a season three trailer for The Mandalorian. And if you haven't seen Book of Boba Fett, he got the kid back right? That makes sense. Do we have to explain it? I'm I'm questioning, like, if there is any casual fans watching The Mandalorian. Not that it's, like, complicated, but I'm just thinking, like, they've probably all seen Boba Fett too, right? Anybody who truly is doing this. How many casual fans watch streaming shows like this? I don't know, but trailer looks good. Cool characters. Everyone's having fun. No Gina Garano, so we're all happy, I guess. I don't know. I'm just like, yep, I get it. Let's let's just get into it. March 1st, that will be coming out. We will all be living excitedly for that experience. Cannot wait. Cannot wait to see that. It's gonna be very fun, very cool, very enjoyable. Very enjoyable. Great times all around, everybody. I don't know. Anything else? Is that all the news we could talk about? I thought we were going to get some more James Gunn news, but I guess not. Maybe that'll be the next week. We'll talk about it. But okay, let's take a break and we come back. Let's talk about an influential TV show that young people hate? Question mark. <music> Ladies and gentlemen, what's the deal with Seinfeld? I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't know. I just uh yeah, it's time time to talk about Seinfeld it's probably one of the most influential shows of all time that's not even a that's not even up to debate it is and it's one of my favorites I know I sound so like is it Posh do you think it'd be posh to say that I am a young man I am in my 20s I was born after this show was airing and I don't know a lot of younger people that deep dive into this. So is it posh to say I like Seinfeld more than, like, Friends or The Office or It's Always Sunny or that shit? Is it? I don't really know because, look, I'm not a normal person. We've established that throughout this, like, channel when I've talked about, like, Tron and the Fraggles a bunch. I don't like the same normal things that people do, you know? But I don't know anybody in my collective circle. Everybody that I've known who watches television has never fitted themselves to the seinfeld bubble even my contemporaries like my sibling or my friends or extended friends the only people i know my age who have watched seinfeld are people i don't like so i guess by default it makes me like a posh person be like oh yeah the office is so cliche i prefer my simpler watchings like seinfeld you know classic american sitcoms genius at work i'm like okay yeah I know some people that think that way about Seinfeld. I I don't know why this one doesn't have like the crossover as other shows. It's weird. I don't get it. I don't get it. I find it so interesting. But it's good. It's a good show and it's very fun. And I have a great time every time I put on an episode. It's one of those rare shows. I put it I put it in the category of like The Simpsons, and I guess I guess you could say Futurama or or any of that. SpongeBob. I would put it in the SpongeBob category too. I can just watch an episode, if it's on television, don't care what season, don't care what's going on, just put it on, and I'm invested. And I'm like, okay, the next half hour, it's Seinfeld time. I play on my phone, watch certain scenes I like a lot, just enjoy myself. It's a rare show that does that perfectly. It might just be because like its syndication numbers are always going up and up, and it's on every other channel, and if it exists on somewhere, it's streaming somewhere. It's fascinating to me. I really do like that this show was able to hold off like that and and just help itself collectively grow. So it's interesting. And again, I don't want to sit here and do like the Friends comparison where it's like, why was Friends airing the same time, but is branched out into younger people? Because it's essentially the same show. If you really think about it, Jerry's the lead. He has neighbors across the hall in the apartment. His friends are always showing up to his house. They do like the same thing, but the humor is very different. Now, is it like the generational humor that makes us kind of different where, you know, the people around my demographic who enjoy Seinfeld are like the more, you know, studied comedians who look at different types of humor, that kind of thing. I'm not even trying to be like, you know, look how smart and genius we are, but just maybe like, you know, watched old sitcoms, you know, not just like the the stuff from the nineties, but you know. I've seen Cheers, I've seen, you know, I Love Lucy and Gilligan's Island and all that kind of stuff. Do you think it's that? I think it's kind of that thing, you know, where you've been watching this and you're like, okay, it, it takes inspiration from those things, guest stars appear all the time. I wonder what, like, why that is. I'm not trying to sound posh about it. I am keep trying not to sound posh about, like, me saying that Seinfeld is the best show of all time. I, I always put it on my top three favorite shows of all time my top three currently would probably be the simpsons and then seinfeld and then the marvelous mrs Maisel. that's just my list at the moment my three favorite shows i i don't want to sound like i'm a dick about it like knowing like this show is so important so cool i just i can never get into other shows of this era i've never been like the friends guy or the fresh prince guy I just haven't been able to make that connection. Frazier is the other one I've been able to enjoy and, and understand. Is it because it's like the opposite of Seinfeld? It's like, look at how hoity-toity we are over here. And this is just like, I don't want to be with a girl because she chews loud or something. You know, that's Seinfeld. And maybe that's just what I think is funny. I know like the thing with Seinfeld back in the day was like, he's saying the things we're all thinking, you know? Why do we have to go to the DMV all the time? Why is toothpaste like this? Why do we date people like this? And I'm like, it's funny because that's not how real people talk. And I don't think anybody really thinks about that stuff. You know, like, it's, it's pushing itself. It's like, we're not a show about anything. What we just do is do stuff. And I'm like, that's cool. But you're also doing stuff that, like, people don't do. And maybe that's what's fun about it. It's like taking the idea of like the mundane comedy, like, okay, we're lost in a car garage. Like we we can't find our way out. You know, we're stuck getting a new vehicle. Everyone's kind of hungry. The Chinese restaurant stuff, you know, maybe we're going to see who can go the longest without pleasuring themselves. Like it's stuff that's fun like that. You just have to wonder like on paper, it sounds like everybody in their mother is talking about that stuff, you know? Like, doesn't it suck when you have to wait in line at a restaurant? Like, yeah. But then it's like, what if the most outlandish weird stuff happened? Not even outlandish in like a boisterous over the top way. Just like people reacting how people don't normally talk. That's the thing I always try to explain when it comes to like Seinfeld. It's like, it's not how people talk. Like real people in the real world. They don't think like this. Very specific comedians think like this and make a show about that very specific experience happening. ...and then react to it. Seinfeld is all about reaction. That's the key thing. One of the key things that makes Seinfeld different is that it cuts away from the scene and you have the reaction talking about it. In any kind of instance, if you're watching any episode, especially as the show gets later on in its progression... ...the thing that happens is that when they're talking about anything on the show... It's about the event after the fact. They don't show you, like, the leading action. One of the clearest examples of that is, like, the fire episode when George is trying to, like, get out of the fire. Instead of just, like, that might be the most, like, active scene we actually see where it's like, okay, George is doing something. But it's all about the discussion we have after that with people, how people view him after the fact, the marine biologist stuff. We don't actually see Kramer shoot the golf ball. We just find George finds the golf ball. That's what it's about. The show's about the reaction to everything happening there, and it's very fun. And the show also gets kind of meta. And this is where I'm like, it's like that modern sitcom thing where it talks about itself in a way. It's like, who'd watch a show about us? And it's like, yeah, that's right. That's why Jerry and George are going to make a show about it. It's very fun. I I just, I want to know why this doesn't have that impact for the younger generation. You know, I understand not showing this to like a 12-year-old. You could show friends to a 12-year-old, but it's, like, the same type of humor, the same kind of, like, 90s sense of, like, you know, fashion and iconography and storytelling. It's weird that it doesn't have, like, that breakthrough moment. I think it's because the characters are all just, like, kind of dickish in a way, which maybe is why I like them. Because it's, like, it's pinpointing the small, minute details about every little thing that just stops anything from really happening. You know, Elaine's never going to stay with the boyfriend. Jerry's never going to find true love. Kramer is going to flounder his way through life until something happens. George is just obsessively doing nothing. It just works so well. And I think another one of the strong suits about that idea that maybe it's just kind of like off-putting to some people is that it just treats Elaine like she's just one of the guys. It, it doesn't like care that she's a woman it, that doesn't come into like play when she's in the conversation it's just like she's just there she's just existing it doesn't really matter I don't know is that is that anything does that like make people feel any different towards this show I don't know I just think it's like kind of interesting how it's kind of faded to time and I know people are like well you can't make Seinfeld today I have a couple of things I want to say on that topic alone you can't make Seinfeld today it's too racist it's too sexist here's the thing The jokes that this show are making is in two categories. One, it's making fun of people that think that. The episode where Jerry and George are kind of like contemplating knowing a gay person, like, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's not that, you know, Jason Alexander or Jerry Seinfeld are homophobic. They're just like, hey, we genuinely don't care. It's just not for us. And then later on in the same episode, they'll be like, you know, if I was that gay, I think I'd be all the way, you know, think about all the outfits you could have, like, that kind of, they're not, like, against that stuff, it's a friendly joke, I don't think it's, like, in the harmful way of anything, not everything holds up, of course, but it doesn't, like, actively try to be, like, gay people are a burden and a plague to society, we shouldn't have them in anything, it's just, like, you know, I guess there's upsides to it, hey, it's not for me, but I'm just saying, Get another set of jackets for yourself. You know, that kind of thing is what it's about. And on that same category, it's like it's making the same jokes, maybe less offensively than other shows of this era that people like. Friends, I'm not going to say it's perfect, but you compare the way Jerry feels about gay people to the way Ross feels about gay people and his son maybe liking Barbie dolls. And you're going to see maybe Jerry a little more supportive just saying. Now, the other thing I want to say on that note is that It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia has been on the air for 15 seasons. They can make Seinfeld today. It's just It's Always Sunny. It's the same meta. It's the same raunchy humor. It's the same kind of group of characters. It's the same thing. You can make Seinfeld today. Would any of these actors want to do it? No, why should they? Why would these people want to come back? That's one of the best things about this, you know, is that all four of these people kind of went off in their own direction, to do their own thing. I don't think any of them really have desire to come back. Now, I'm not saying they wouldn't. Maybe we don't really want to see Michael Richards again is what I'm is what I'm saying, but she's kind of like, yeah, we don't need it. The show still stands on its own. You can still show it in any time period. And yes, it's going to be dated because they have like landlines and you have to buzz people in with like the old school buzzing technology and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of simple, but let's be real. You still do this dynamic with your friends, you know? You still have these conversations with your friends, no matter how old you are or where you exist. I just find it fascinating. Maybe it's like that. It might be this thing why it doesn't connect with the younger audience is that the characters are primarily portraying people in their 30s in this time period, whereas Friends, it kind of starts with them at like 23, 24, 25 era at the pilot episode of Seinfeld in 1989. George Costanza, or Jason Alexander to better put it, was 29 years old, meaning when the show actually started to happen, he just kind of progressed and he just started to be like a 30-something trying to get his life together. That might be it. That might be it, where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm 21. I don't know what a 35 year old's up to. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but I, I think we we're going to slowly start to see like the resurgence. You know, the people that primarily make like Seinfeld memes and jokes on the internet are kind of like 30 somethings, that kind of era, like the older side of 20s to 40s, that kind of demographic, which makes perfect sense. But I think we'll start seeing like a re-appreciation for the show come up, especially because they're on Netflix now. They're very popular over there on Netflix. It's just kind of cool to see. I do think the show's funny. It's one of my favorite shows. It's an easy rewatch for me. I like all the characters. I like the concept it's going for. I think it's one of the best examples of letting a show grow over time. Because if you look at like the numbers and like the way people are rating it in like the first season... It's very hit or miss. You know, it's like, okay, you see what they're going for, they're not quite nailing it. In the second season, we start to pick up a little bit more, things start to make sense. We understand the type of jokes we're leaning into, we understand the type of world we're trying to build, and that kind of just makes it a little stronger. And if it just ended on the first season, right? First season's done. Nobody liked it. It was just kind of like, Well, Larry David and Jerry, they they tried something. Didn't really work. Didn't really last. Do any of you think we'd be where we are today in terms of, like, our sitcom stories? In terms of just, like, what we have on television? I really think this show did a lot for network television. I'm not saying it, like, broke the mold. But it kind of, like, presented, like, these more simplistic ideas just to be explored. And, and, you know, know, when I Love Lucy was like, I'm pregnant on television, it was like, holy fuck, that's a big deal. And then it's like, hey, the Jeffersons broke a lot of ground, Fresh Prince broke a lot of ground, we have all these other shows doing these things. But it's just more like Seinfeld's just kind of like, the mundane stuff, like, you know, the sex isn't really doing it for me. Or, you know, like, well, I could go a while without masturbating, but can I, really? You know? And that kind of just... I think starts like the forefront to what's going to be a lot of modern humor. Now, I'm not going to say like everything is influenced from it, but you can see again, it's always Sunny is heavily influenced. I'm going to say loosely, The Office is kind of taking notes from that. Just kind of like the weird guys talking about like that kind of stuff in a weird setting. I think a lot of adult swim kind of comes from this, just kind of like that quiet, low paced humor that slowly builds up to something loud. I like that a lot. I think you can follow a lot of comedians who do like the specific thing that a lot of these characters do. You can see today your comedians inspired by Jerry or by Kramer or by George and the energy that those actors are giving off. Like, I, I think that is very clear to see. I do like that. It is kind of fun. And there's iconic moments and great guest stars that appear on the show. It is such a strong idea of a concept. Just having it be about nothing. And then sometimes there'll be some crossover. You know, know, like, hey, Jerry gets this one special pen that works in space. Hey, George is getting married. Again, one of my favorite arcs on television is like the de-evolution of George as a character. Where there's the entire thing of like, hey... We're not men. We're boys. We're not doing anything. And he's like, you know who I liked is Susan. I'm going to marry her. And then we set up an entire season pretty much where he is engaged to her just to be like, oh, they're going to do the wedding episode. Like we're going to see the dynamic of like a Mary George coming out into the world, learning how to be who he is. And then boom, flipperoo, she dies. And I'm like, that is so fun. And no reaction from anybody in the cast. And you're just like, oh, well, she's dead, you know, poisoned by the old stamps you're like okay cool it's so so funny so random so good at that standalone episodes are brilliant it works for this and it's kind of like the formatting technique that this show kind of I don't know if it pioneered but it kind of like formatted and you hear like Larry David talk about it and some of the other writers on the show talk about it where it's like you have plot a you have plot b and you have plot c it could be one of the characters two of the characters just like a small two second clip of like some supporting characters All of those storylines kind of converge into plot D, the end of the episode. So if Jerry and Elaine are doing this, and George is off doing this, if Steinbrenner are doing something over here with his parents, you have Kramer working on his shenanigans over here, eventually all of those are going to cross over into something strong, and that just makes the episode more satisfying than just, like, ending it. I like that a lot. I also like, it's just like, look at these people in their 30s who do not have it together. Jerry's doing fine. And that makes sense. We never see really like how Kramer does anything. That makes it outlandish. Elaine has a steady job. She switches it a couple times, but they're not people that are like well kept. You know, they're all kind of like jarring and all awkward and all over the place. It's kind of fun. I do like it. So let's talk about some of the characters for a bit. I remember my first big binge of this show was when I was in college. I, when I went to college, I was like, okay, every time I have free time. I'm going to put on an episode of Seinfeld. I started watching in college. I finished it in college, like my first full episodic rewatch of the show. And I was like, okay, I think at this point in my life, when I am 21, when I was I 20 or 20, I was around 20 years old. I really related to Jerry. Don't know why, but I was just like, yeah, I get Jerry. You know, this guy who, kind of like the hub of the people in his life, doesn't need anything more than what he has, is kind of very confident in himself in his life, where it's like, yeah, I don't need love right now, you know, not everything's working out for me, but it'll get better, you know, I'm fine, just like, okay, maybe he doesn't want to spend all the time in the world of family, maybe he doesn't want to do all this stuff, but he's comfortable enough in, like, figuring himself out and also being, like, a proper dude, kind of germophobia in a sense, but kind of just, like, awkward in another, I like that, I've always liked Jerry, I'm not going to say Jerry Seinfeld is the greatest comedian in the world or somebody I'd want to spend time with in real life, but the way he portrays Jerry is probably a very accurate depiction of what he was like at that age and I really responded to it. I also really responded to Elaine. Elaine I think is one of the best written characters for any female in like a like an ongoing sitcom because it's not like about her like f- falling in love with like every man she sees. That does come up, but it's also just like she's One of the guys still maintains her feminine identity, is comfortable to, like, say what she wants, able to speak her mind, in a sense, and just commit to whatever she's doing. She's just the female Jerry, and it's, like, fun that way, and it works, and their dynamic is great to play off each other. And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I've said this for a long time, and I will continue to say it long until the day is dark. She is a staple of television. She has not done a single thing on television I haven't liked a lot. She's just so cool. I'm a huge fan of Veep. I could do a video talking about Veep. I really like the new adventures of old Christine. I think she's really cool. And this being like my first real like, like foray into her identity and her characterization and stuff, it works well. She's really fun. She's really sweet. She's silly. And I like that they allow her to feel certain things. It's very cool. Kramer's the one where I'm like I I I get it I'm not saying he's bad I'm just like I understand how that character can get repetitive and annoying it's the thing where it's like I could never get into like Andy Kaufman on Taxi like Lapka. I was just like I don't fucking care just shut up and stop it I think Kramer could kind of fit into that category but he handles himself well he presents in a stronger way the physical comedy that Michael Richards is exuding is really strong and empowering I have a blanket with Kramer on it. You know, like when they did that episode where like someone paints the Kramer? I have that painting on a blanket and I'm like, I, should I hang this up somewhere? Just as like a curtain because I'm a weird freak. But I like it. <laughs> it's so fun. But of course, of course the standout is Jason Alexander as George. Like, that is just Larry David giving himself a voice, which he will later, like, do almost stronger and more his specificity in Curb. But, like, George is just perfect, like, every good in the world sucks, I don't understand why people are like this, society is broken, I'm out for myself, everything I say is a lie, I'm just getting barely scraping by, I hate myself, I hate everything... It's presenting like the manic-depressive loser in like a very comedic setting, where it's not like, we should be worried about this guy. We're like, this guy's going to do something erratic, and it's going to be fucking hilarious to watch. And that's what I like to see. A great pairing of characters just all coming together. And I love, the supporting cast is great. Of course, their parents are fantastic. Jerry Stiller, always one of the funniest guys you are going to see. I, I love every time Newman's on screen, a great addition, a great foil to everything going on there. I do like David Putty. I've always been a fan of Warburton, and when he shows up, I just have an absolute blast. And, of course, every supporting girlfriend, every character that they date, it's great. Susan is fantastic. A lot of clips going around at the moment of Jennifer Coolidge as, like, I don't give in to Forcible Massage. I'm like, yep, she's great. Everything about the show's great. So what's wh- why isn't it, like, the staple of every generation? I don't get it. Maybe because we don't market it a lot, where you you can't, like, walk into every store and be like, oh, my God, there's, like, a cup with, like, the cast on it, or, like, there's no, like, what's the deal with this, like, just, like, sippy cups or whatever, all that shit. You, You can't, like, find everything for them. Maybe it's because the actors don't actively talk about the show that much. Like, if you haven't watched Seinfeld, if you're a younger person, how do you know any of these people? I guess... You would know Jerry from the B-movie, and you'd know Julia from maybe Veep, maybe Veep, maybe from the Marvel stuff she's doing now. I don't know. You wouldn't really know Michael Richards or Jason Alexander. Interesting. And and no kids watching Curb, let's be real. (laughs) I don't know what it is very interesting stuff very fascinating but it's such a strong show it's so creative so genius so many things work about it so many things right I, I just have an absolute blast every time i watch this show such a genius thing it's so great and i just want to support the show more and talk about it i just want to encourage everybody like it's really genius not just in terms of just like a standard single camera sitcom but when you are watching it, like, the jokes are fun. The way the story intersects is beautiful. If you want to be, like, a writer, not even of, like, skits or anything, you just, like, understand, like, how you should weave a narrative web together, Seinfeld is a great example of how to do that properly because it just holds itself together with such poise and strength and makes something truly original and truly creative that it's very much worth investigating very well done very fun execution are the first seasons kind of rough yes but it's one of the rare shows where it gets stronger as it goes and they do some very incredible stuff in the last couple of seasons so when we come back from the break I found an article on IndieWire with the 25 best episodes of Seinfeld let's take a look at it and review it Uh, don't you just love when a website gives you content that you can just make for yourself? It's the key to being successful on the internet, isn't it? Yeah, I'll, I'll link the article below that I'm, I'm working off of, but The 25 Best Seinfeld Episodes from the Parking Garage to the Contest Written by Allison Foreman, November 22, 2022 uh, The article does specify the following was public August 9th and has been updated multiple times but there's no new episodes being made, so what are you updating? (laughs) I guess is my question. But 25 great episodes of Seinfeld. I guess let's get into it, shall we? 25, The Race. Jerry Races his uh, old high school rival. Really strong episode. Very fun. It works. It's good. (laughs) It's one I don't think about enough, but yeah, I could see how you could put that on the list. Number 24, the deal from season two where Jerry are like, you know, we had a good time together. Maybe we should try again. And they do. And then in the next season, they're like, oh, we broke up. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah. Like, yep, that's genius. They should not be together. I love both of them. They're great people, but they should not be together. Number 23, the wife. Ah, yes. Courtney Cox right before she joins friends. You know, it's cool. She was on Seinfeld. She's like, I'm going to pretend to be your wife and I'm going to get 25% off on the dry cleaning and it's fun and we're all happy because of it. And then she goes on to get more successful than all of them. It works great. And then we got number 22, the raincoats. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Yeah, because this is like the uh, close talker with Judge Reinhold episode, right? Yeah. And then it's like Kramer is going to start selling all the old coats that Morty and, and yeah, it's Morty, right? It's Morty than one of the coats? I can't remember. But it's like, yeah, it's great. It's fun. The clothes talk are so funny. Judge Reinhold is such a funny guy. I wish he was just like more prevalent in other places because he's just like the funniest guy ever. But great set of episodes like this duo. It's really cool. Ah, number 21, The Fire. I might put this one up closer if it were me just because of the stuff happening of George and it. Some of the best George stuff. It's funny. Somebody heckles Jerry. That's a good plot, too. Just like George pushing everybody out of the way of the fire. <laughs> it's so funny. John Favreau as the clown. It's such a good episode. I do love that one a lot. Very fun stuff. We have number 20, The Boyfriend, which I'm like, okay, yeah, this is the one of Keith Fernandez. I'm like, yep, this is a good one. Again, just describing an episode of Seinfeld is weird because it's like, what are you doing? You have to experience them, right? Like It's pretty fun. It, it, it's good it's a good one not my favorite but it's good number 19 the fusilli jerry i like this one a lot that i actually have an like a like a replica of the fusilli jerry it came with like the blanket like remember they do like those blind boxes all the time you can just get a bunch of shit i got one for seinfeld i'm like i have to keep this this is everything i'd ever want in the world it's so good It's it's great and this is the Aspen one, isn't it? Yeah, this is the one where Kramer gets the Aspen license plate. It's like, you know, it's probably a proctologist. <laughs> like, those guys are always hilarious. It's great. Funny stuff. Number 18, uh, the Cadillac. That's what we're talking about here. Another two-parter where it's very fun. Very good stuff. Classic things. I love, I love content. Don't you love content? It's great. Number 17, The Bizarro Jerry. This is a strong one because there's like that, there was that thing going around for a long time. It's like every episode of Seinfeld has a reference to Superman in it. And in this one, one of the guys that Elaine starts to see is like the opposite of Jerry. And he has his own friends. It's Feldman across the hall. And it's like, hey, who's she going to go if the Bizarro gang or our regular gang? It's very fun because they already have a George. It's great. I love that George is just willing to like sell out his friends just to be with better people. It's so funny. I really think that's such a good joke. It works so well. What a good time. What a good time. (laughs) Number 16, The Mango. Ah, yes. It's always good when it's like we make random jokes and stuff. One of the earlier examples of like, hey, Elaine tells Jerry she didn't really uh, be honest with him in the bedroom. She uh, faked a couple of things. And it's like, hey... We need to have sex again to save the relationship. I'm like, okay, cool, It's funny. That's good. Number 15, ah, the little kicks. That's what I'm talking about. This is a great episode. I love this episode of television where George notices what Elaine does dancing and she just doesn't dance like a person. Great physical comedy from Julia in this episode. It's really fun. Really fun stuff. Number 14, the jacket. (laughs) see this is the kind of thing where I am very much Jerry it's like you find a nice jacket the inside lining is just weird and you don't know what to do you're like do I keep the jacket on do I just take it off I'm uncomfortable with everything going on but I'm wearing this jacket what am I supposed to do I don't know it's great stuff uh it's great stuff Number 13, the big salad. But you had to have the big salad. George gets upset when the woman he's dating takes credit for Elaine getting the salad. And you're like, "Yep, yeah, that's funny. Jerry dates one of new ones ex-girlfriends. It's fun. It's great. I love it. Just when it's like a specific thing that someone is fixated on. Again, it's not something you talk to people about. That's why it's funny that they bring it up and talk about it. That's what makes it funny. Number 12, The Merv Griffin Show. I'm like, is this one, would you put this at the top of your list? I don't know if, if it's in my top 15, but it's a strong episode in season 9. Makes for some great stuff. It's it's funny. It works. It's like, hey, Kramer finds like the old pieces of the real talk show, and he's like, I'm going to put them in my house, and we're going to build it. And I'm like, that's cool. Number 11, The Tape. This one is kind of funny. I think it's kind of great. So Elaine sneaks in to see one of, like, Jerry's shows, and she says something kind of sexy in, like, the recorder that he's recording the tape. And everyone's like, who's this amazing woman? And Elaine's like, it's me! (laughs) And George is like, do I love her? Do I love this woman now? It's kind of funny. All right, top ten, folks. Let's get into it. Number ten, the Junior Mint. Yeah, easily a great one when Kramer and Jerry are, like, watching an operation and they lose a Junior Mint It's funny. That is hilarious. Very fun stuff. It's awesome. Uh, Number nine, The Strike. It's a Festivus for the rest of us this time. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, baby. Fake holiday made by George's father. It's awesome. Festivus is great. Everyone comes to celebrate the dinner. Everyone's uncomfortable. What more do you want from just random, awkward comedy? That's it personified. Love it. Love it. Number eight, the switch. Yeah. This like this is like a classic Seinfeld bit where it's like Jerry's seeing this woman, it isn't working, but the roommate, oh, she's awesome. You gotta love the roommate. I'm gonna try to do the switch. It's never been done, she's gonna try it. It's also the episode where we learn Cosmo is the first name of Kramer. Which was a big moment because you're like, What? Cosmo? Okay, it works. It's kind of fun. Number seven, The Stall. The grab bag episode boasts Kramer and George climbing a mountain, plus suspicions that Jerry's new girlfriend works for a sex phone line, but The Stall gets its title and centerpiece plot line from the argument between Elaine and a woman she thinks is a stranger about toilet paper in a movie theater's bathroom. Awesome. Again, it's a good episode. Again, I don't know if it's in my top ten, but I, I love it. It's very strong. Number six, The Chinese Restaurant. Uh, Yeah, this is the episode that I think defined the show. They want to go see Plan 9 from Outer Space, a show I absolutely adore. I have a poster hanging up in my home of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Everyone's hungry. Jerry's trying to figure out how they could get a seat. George is freaking out. It's a really strong episode. I think defines the show. I think this this one defines the show, 100% defines what the show is going to become, and that's uh, James Hong, so yeah, it's awesome. Really great episode, season two, where I think the switchover finally happens to what the show is going to be. Here we go, folks. Number five, the marine biologist. Yes, George wants to uh, look cool in front of a girl, pretends he's a marine biologist, and does, I think this... And another episode we're probably going to talk about, hold the record for like the longest consecutive laugh for any episode of Seinfeld. When George pulls out the golf ball that Hamer, that Kramer shot, it's like, hey, it must be a hole in one. Hilarious. It's fun. It's awesome. All right. Number four, the chicken roaster. Yes, that's a, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. They kind of like switch personalities when they like stay in each other's apartments. So Kramer starts acting like Jerry. Jerry starts acting like Kramer. The most erratic I think we're ever going to see Seinfeld act as an actor is doing that scene where he's like, it's just rattling my brain. I'm like, yeah, you're good. Not bad, dude. Pretty fun. Number three. The parking garage. Okay. I love this episode, actually. It's a strong one where it's like, hey, we're lost. You know, Elaine's got a goldfish. She has to do something with. Kramer's carrying a big box. They can't find where they parked the car. It's funny. Like, that is just classic Seinfeld stuff. And it works well. Again, it's an earlier episode, too. They figure their shit out. It's so fun. Like, that's the stuff where I'm like, that is genius writing. Just like, here's a situation that every character is doing something different. It's very cool episode two, number two, I should say, not episode two, number two, The Comeback, okay, that's kind of fun, <laughs> George is trying to think of, like, the right line, and it's like, hey, George, the ocean called, they're running out of shrimp, well, you know, what's funny is the jerk store called, and they just said, they're running out of you, you know, okay, it is a classic seinfeld episode, I do like it, I, I could see that being it there, but of course, folks, come on, come on, the number one episode, Of course, it's got to be the contest. And it is from season four. You know, George's mother catches him pleasuring himself. And then he's embarrassed. And it's like, hey, what if we all did a contest as you could go the longest without being a George? And guess who ends up winning the contest? It's George. Leads to some very funny moments where Kramer just slams the money down. He's like, I'm out. And then, of course, Elaine gets out because Robert Kennedy. And then Jerry's just thinking about that beautiful girl, you know, and then blah, blah, blah. George wins, baby! And you're like, hell yeah! That's fun! That's fun. (laughs) what a world we live in, hey? What a world we live in. It's pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Good television. That's it, folks. Great time at the movies, right? (laughs) No, but Seinfeld's the best. And I honestly like the finale, too. So, the show's good. The contest is a great episode. If you want one standalone episode of television... It's not, a, it's not a bad one to watch. Not a, any, of, any of those ones actually are not really bad to watch. I think they're all really fun. So thank you guys for watching this episode of The Geek Wave. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. If you have any topics you'd like to see me talk about, please let me know because I'd be very interested to see what people are thinking about this world. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Hive, and I will catch you in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck. That's all, folks.